Joshua chapter 9. And uh, we are in a series called Crossing Rivers and Taking Cities. We do have notes for you. They're online, also by paper, for those of you that uh, want those. Uh, if, you, if you don't have notes and you'd like them, would you just raise your hand? They'll find you and they'll bring them to you. Okay, very good. Go over here. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You ready? Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. New International Version. You ready? On your marks? Get set? Go. Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, the kings in the hill country in the western foothills and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, they came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. However, when the people of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins cracked and mended. They put on worn patches on sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. They went to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, We've come from a distant country, liars. Make a treaty with us, verse 7. The Israelites said to the Hivites, but perhaps you live near us, so how can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, who are you and where do you come from? Verse 9, they answered, your servants have come from a very far country, liars, very distant country, because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him, that part's true, all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Asherah. That's also true. And our leaders and those living in the country said to us, take provision for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you, but see now how dry and moldy it is. And these wineskins were filled with new, but see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals are worn out from the very long journey. It's like an Academy Award winning event here. <laughs> Verse 14, the Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. They did not what? They did not inquire of the Lord. And Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Three days after they made the treaty, the Gibeonites, the Israelites, heard that they were neighbors living near them. So the Israelites set out on the third day and came to their cities. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For what you're going to do, what you did in the first service, what you're going to do now, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. I've entitled it, Talk with God. And the most important conversations that you have all day long are that you have with God. Talking with God is not talking at God, it's talking with Him. That means you're talking to Him and He talks back. God is a speaking God. God speaks through his word. He said, I've never heard his voice. Pick up your Bible, read it out loud. You've heard it. God wants to speak to you. And 
longs to meet with you in the quiet time that some of you never have. Talk with God. One of the strategies of the enemy to undermine your marriage is to get you to stop communicating. I said this uh, to my wife when we first got married. We said it to each other. We have no secrets. And truth is, my wife and I have no secrets. I don't mean other people. We're, we're confidants. For many people, I don't mean that. I mean between each other, we have none. There's no hidden agenda. We be sure that we're sure that there's no secrets. If something happens uh, in the course of life or defilement or something takes place, we're, we just ratty, rat ourselves out to the other person. Be sure that there's no communication lines that are cut. One of the strategies of the enemy to wipe you out and to keep you from crossing over rivers, which, which in the New Testament application for us today, crossing over rivers and taking cities, the name of the, the, the series I'm in, is you're going to have obstacles, you're going to have problems, you're going to have trials, but they're really opportunities for you to be promoted and to be brought into the promised land, to be brought into a new place in God, but if you don't know how to cross over rivers and you don't know how to take cities, walk in dominion, walk in authority, you're going to have a problem. And one of the things the enemy does is to cut lines of communication. If you don't talk with God, you're going to be in deep kimchi. If you don't talk to your wife, you're going to have a problem. And all the ladies said, Amen. you don't talk to your husband, you'll also have a problem. Women don't have much of a problem talking. Men, sometimes we, well, they say we use a third of the words. Well, one of the strategies of the enemy to keep you from walking into the promised land is to cut your lines of communication with people and to cut your lines of communication with God. Talk with God. I couldn't call it talk with people and talk with God. As we look at this text, that's exactly what's happened. Now the Israelites have crossed over the Jordan. They've defeated Jericho. They've defeated Ai. They've just walked through hearing all of the curses and the blessings on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. They go to cross through, which is amazing. I, I preached to, to you about choose life. Say that, choose life. Because they're given a choice. You have a choice whether you choose life or choose death. It's up to you. And so there they are, and it's a fulfillment of the prophetic declaration of Moses that you're going to come to these two mountains, and you're to put tribes on Mount Ebal and put the other part of the tribes on, on Mount Gerizim, and you're to walk through, and they're to declare over you the curses and the blessings, and you're to make an altar there and to put the Ten Commandments there, the law, the Ten Commandments there, and you're to walk through that. They have just done that. They've just walked through and just declared, oh, we're going to live in the blessing. And right then comes this deceptive plan. In fact, in the text, you see these kings on the western side of the Jordan. They're an illustration of how Satan will work in your life. But so are the Gibeonites. It's a, it's, a, it's a twofold illustration. The Gibeonites are also a way that the devil works in your life. So the, the, the kings the, the, on the western side, they get together. They heard about what the, the, the Israelites are coming, and they're like, we're going to go ahead and, and wage war against Joshua and the Israelites. The fear of the Lord hadn't fallen on them yet. They're just fired up and want to protect their land, but they're going to be evicted. But that's how the devil comes. He does a full frontal. 
He comes as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But then you've got the Gibeonites. The fear of the Lord has fallen on them. They're terrified, and instead of doing a full frontal, they use deception. And that's just like the snake, the forked tongue, father of lies. So speaking his native language, Satan, he comes to bring deception. It's the two different ways that Satan works. And this is a great tragedy. These Israel is deceived by the Gibeonites by making a treaty with them. They lived right in the land. They were right there, and they came and they lied. But the, 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 horrible, the horrible key to this text and the takeaway for you as you walk into all that God has for you is found in verse 14. Verse 14 says, They did not inquire of the Lord. There is no, the Lord said to Joshua in the story. What do you mean? There's no talk here about Joshua saying, Hey God, these guys have come. What do you think? The Lord is going to be like, They're deceiving him. Wipe them out. The Lord would have told them, but they didn't talk to the Lord. I think they, they might have thought they had it figured out. There's a number of reasons I think Joshua didn't inquire of the Lord. We'll look at those because they're really the, some of the same reasons that we don't. You see, God's got a plan for you, but you're going to have to keep talking. He said, no, God already spoke to me. Listen, God speaks to you, but the vision is progressive. He partners, he, he partners with you. He doesn't just give you his plan and then leave you alone and then... You know, like the deist would think that God, they believe in God, a deist does, that he created the universe, but like a, like, a, like a clockmaker would wind a clock and then back away and look at it and watch it run and see what happens. That's how they think of God, a deist does. But that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible, yes, he made everything. Yes, he knows everything. And he's intimately involved in the affairs of man wanting to co-labor with you and work with you. But they didn't talk to God. Had they inquired of the Lord, verse 14, it's a sad scripture. It would have been very different. In Joshua chapter 1, God said. Joshua chapter 2, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Joshua chapter 3, the Lord spoke to Joshua again. 4, again. Chapter 5, the Lord spoke to Joshua again. There's inquiring and communication, back and forth. Talking with God is not talking at God. It's, yes, making your petitions, requests be known to Him, but it's Him also speaking to you. And so you see chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, the Lord said to Joshua. Chapter 9, nothing. How is that? How is it that he didn't talk to the Lord? It's like insane. Tragic. It's three different things I see, and I'm sure there's more, but for this morning, three things that kept Joshua from talking to the Lord. The first one is his perceptions were wrong. What do you mean? Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the, at the heart. So, why do we have to talk to the Lord when we can obviously see that the bread is moldy, the skins are busted, these people are wearing tattered clothes? I mean, obviously, they come from a far distance, right? Oh, by the appearance of it, yes. But did they come from a far distance? No, no, no. They were, they were yeah, no, they were the ones to, they were ones to be evicted. But Joshua's perception, he misjudged. Has anybody been misjudged? I was, I was talking about, you know, as I've, I've gotten a little older, just a little, I, I've noticed that 
that people, especially women, seem to be harder than guys. They, they look each other up and down and size each other up by the clothes, the shoes, the flats, the heels, the dress, the, the color, how tight, how, how not tight. They just go, mm-hmm, that's it. Don't shout me down, ladies. You know what I'm talking about. Glasses and the hair, the way the hair is done. and They just make all kinds of opinions. Has anybody here ever been misjudged by somebody? Somebody thought something about you and it wasn't true? Like last week, welcome to humanity. Wow. In this case, Joshua's deceived by what he sees. Listen, some of you have made decision because it looks good. So you're like, this must be the Lord because it's so good. You better let the Lord lead you. You better inquire of God. And I think Joshua did not because his perceptions, he, he just felt like he could really see. I got this figured out. I mean, we just crossed over the Jordan. That was amazing. Come on, we, I was talking to the captain of the host just the other day, and he gave me his strategy. Seven times around the wall fell flat. That wasn't tongues or anything. I was like deep Alabama accent or something. I, I don't know. So, I mean, I think he kind of had it figured out. So when they're coming, like, no, I got this, Lord. I, what? Oh, yeah, sure. The Lord's great. Oh, yes, God's good. We've heard about it. God is great. Make a treaty. Well, okay, he is great. Okay, let's make a treaty. And he gave away property that he never shouldn't have given away. And, they give, and he made a treaty with them. He made vows with them. Some of you have partnered with things that you never should have. If you had been praying and talking to God instead of taking a look at it, then, you know, you could look at things. Things, you know, you, 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 you don't just live your life based on the natural. I've recently been through an experience where um, in the natural, this situation looked just beautiful. All kinds of fruit. I mean, just wonderful. Just looked like the hand of God. Everything's just beautiful. It's the only one problem. As I began to pray, I felt trouble. I'm just thankful that I'm, th I'm thankful people pray for me, and I'm thankful that somehow, by the grace of God, this donkey is able to develop a prayer life. I've been through this so many times. Some of you don't have a prayer life. You don't spend time with God because you see, no, this looks good. There's a promotion. There's more money. There's favor. I can do this. No, that must be God. Then that must be God. And you whistle Dixie right off, of, right off of the waterfall, thinking it's good because it has the money, it has the, it has the thing, and it looks nice. I think the reason that Joshua, one of the reasons he didn't talk to God, inquire of the Lord, is because in, with his natural sight, the perception was, this is clearly what's happening. They've come from a far distance. In my situation, everything was the opposite. It didn't look moldy. I mean, things that look moldy. I'm not eating moldy bread. I might cut off a piece and then eat it. You know what I mean? I, actually, I don't eat bread at all. Let's talk about cheese. I eat lots of cheese. <laughs> Bacon. Thank you, Lord. What do you cut off the mold? Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Somebody like it's got mold on it. You know, I mean, if it's moldy, you're not going to eat it. It was just obvious. In, in my situation that's occurred uh, in, in recent days, is, is it, it looked perfect. But something stirred in me that was wrong. Every time I prayed, I just felt like, I don't know. So I just kept praying. And wouldn't you know, right before I needed to make the decision, that ugly little snake came right out of the basket. And I just thought, oh, there you are, you forked tongue. Ugly, the ugly one. Don't dance with the ugly one. 
Don't let your perceptions dictate your decisions. Because God knows the end from the beginning. It can look good, smell good, and be not good. No, God, you gotta, you got to allow for the Lord to show you beyond your natural perception. you got to be led by the Spirit. Don't, don't be moved by, by what you see with your eyes. I think the second reason he didn't inquire of the Lord, they didn't inquire, was, was because they were distracted. You know, you can, you can get in a, uh, so focused and so moving forward that you can be distracted. One of the main distractions that people have these days are these. And those like the number one thing. I recently saw uh, God pouring out his spirit in a service, and I saw people straight missing it because they were doing their Instagram. There's a time to turn that thing off. You know, I was with, I was with my dad just last week. We went to go see him in Florida. He's 80, and my, and my stepmom, and we went and spent time with them. We, we try to see them every six months. And, um, and that's working out so far. It's good. How many of you know your, your parents start getting older? Now you should honor your mom and dad no matter what. Yeah. Amen. It's all part of being living a blessed life. And sometimes honoring them is just forgiving them. In this instance, I'm able to spend time with them, and it's, and it's wonderful. But we, we went into their, their clubhouse. You know, they live in one of these communities where there's a little clubhouse and golf and all that. You, you cannot eat there with the phone. They will not allow you to have a phone. And what was amazing to me was as we sat there in the course of conversation, we're talking about something, some topic comes up, whatever, you know. Oh, I would reach for my phone to go Google it and find out the right answer. And I, I, was, I, I was amazed at how many times I'm reaching for my phone. And so we started piling our phones up in the center of the table. And, you know, my stepmother is like, isn't this wonderful we get to talk? And at first you're just kind of, Oh, you watch. How many times are you distracted by your phone? Distraction is one of the number one ways the devil will rip you off. How was Joshua distracted? I think he's so focused on moving forward in the plan that he's just kind of like, what? Uh, what? Yeah, okay, fine. Because we're going to go and kick the tail out of these kings. They're getting ready for war. And he didn't really spend time with the Lord. He was distracted. Listen, distraction will rob you from your destiny. Some of you are so fractured. Pictophilia. Addicted to screens. Constantly have to look at it. Listen, I challenge you. Here's one of the things that we're doing. One of the things we're doing in our home is that when we have family meals, it's over. It's, there's no phones. So the phones are going to go up and, and they're going to go off. So we can like look at each other and like talk. You say, well, I'm already doing that. Well, God bless you, you saint. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you walk on water too? Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm glad you are. I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm a little slow on the uptake. We've had times where we're like, okay, no phones, you know, but how often are your relationships robbed? Is your relationship with the Lord robbed because you're on a phone? Are you, are you distracted from, from the purpose of which God's called you by a good thing instead of the God thing? You need to do the God thing and not the good thing. A good thing, it can be good, but it cannot be God. How many of you know God's got his highest and his best? That's what I want for me, my life, my family, my children. That's what I want for God, this church, for, for our community. I want God's best. you got to contend for it. Don't want good. 
Good is the enemy of great. And you can be distracted. Joshua, Joshua sought God for all that had happened previously. But he doesn't do it now. Why is that? Well, I think pride might be number three. One of the biggest mistakes you can allow yourself to enter into is just because you're successful, thinking that you're successful on the next venture, just because. Because you showed up. You have to contend. You have to pray. You've you got you to keep your character. You've got to... You've got to just don't get all prideful. Your pride is like bad breath. You're usually the last one to know you got it. And pride will undermine you. And I think maybe Joshua, Israel, they, they had gotten a little pride. You know, I mean, of course we can make decisions, you understand. I mean, you, you chose what you were going to wear. Most of you, some of you men didn't. Your wife picked it out. But I mean, most of you can make decisions about stuff. You know, and we should make decisions. And there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. It's not like you just want to, you know, just be dialed down to nothing and you can't that's that's religious nonsense but you need the lord to lead guide and direct you and if you get all prideful then you're going to derail yourself you're going to have a problem in order to fulfill crossing over the rivers of our of our destiny and purpose and to take the cities we have to have a constant communion with god i said constant communion be led by him to as many as led by the spirit of god they are the the sons of God. Are you allow, will you allow him to change your course? Will you allow him to shift things? Are you walking with him, talking with him, or are you so distracted or so filled with pride that just because you've got this level of success now, you don't have to contend fast and pray for the next level? Or are you looking at things in your life and having a skewed perception? By the way, perceptions about people, circumstances, one thing, a skewed perception about God, as I've told you before, will also cause you to have lots of problems. You've got to know him. And in order to know him, you've got to spend time with him. You've got to commune with him. I'm talking about a prayer life. I'm talking about a prayer life. You've got to have a clear focus on God. Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Don't trust your own brain. You know, I wish I could tell you that I learned this 20 years ago, but I, but I didn't. I learned it over a course of time in lots of pain. Pain is a wonderful teacher. I don't care for it, but, but it's the reason that babies don't gouge their eyes out is because it hurts. They do anything. Some of you, some of you just, you're gluttons for pain. Listen, there's a way to live that's, you're going to experience stuff, Right? But there's a way in which you can make decisions and learn to live without, listen, listen to the Lord. Linda, listen. Linda. Listen to the Lord. Listen to him. He'll try to help you. God just helped me here recently. I mean, it was like, man, this makes sense. Oh, and this, this troubling in my spirit. And it's like, oh, I've been through this so many times. Even though it's all beautiful roses and perfection, the troubling is trouble. And I'm going with that. And it, and, and, and it can make no sense to your rational mind. Rationale is the guillotine of faith. 
And if you try to figure out things by the way that you sees, looks, smells, tastes, or somebody else's opinion, you'll end up in a treaty with the Gibeonites too. And you'll end up losing territory. When it's not right in your spirit, it's not right. Even though it seems like the right thing, sounds like the right thing, you could have even people telling you it's the right thing. But if the Lord speaks to you and says, no, or wait, hold, you wait till there's peace. You wait till that happens. you got to walk in constant communion with God. you got to have a clear focus on God. you got to commit yourself to a lifestyle of prayer. You know, um, those of you that were part of our meetings over this last week, you're thinking, man, that, that guy's on fire. How does he prophesy like that? And how do he preach like that? And if you think he plays, you know, Xbox 360 his whole life and doesn't do anything else, you're sadly mistaken. He spends time in prayer. He's, he's not perfect. He's a man, but he spends time seeking God. You want the supernatural power of God to help you cross over the river and take the city that God's called you to? You're going to have to spend time with Him. You're going to have to spend time. You've got a communion. You've got to have a lifestyle of prayer. Amen. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray continually. Again, in Philippians 4, 6, it says, Don't be anxious for anything, but, by, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't just bring your problems to Him. You know, come and share everywhere. It'd be depressing if you're, depressing if you're, if you're bringing your problems all the time. Bring, bring that which you're thankful for, too. We're talking about your problems and your challenges. Talk with God. Amen. Ephesians 6, 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray constantly. Have a lifestyle of prayer. My wife is one that ex is, exemplifies this in a beautiful way. She's praying all the time. I mean, if you sneak up on her and she's in the kitchen or doing what she does, she's, she's talking to herself. She's praying. She's, she's like, thank you, Jesus. Her lips are always moving. She's always praying in the Spirit. When she sleeps, she prays. How do you know? She talks in her sleep. She's in the back handling some church stuff, so she can't hear me, so I'm going to talk all about it right now. <laughs> she, she doesn't sleepwalk, which I'm grateful for, but she sleep talks like nothing I ever heard anybody. I've never heard anything like it. I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not that. I'm not. Full paragraphs, scripture, counseling, prayer, tongues, intercession, talking with people, and she preaches services. I've tried to join in and answer sometimes, but every time I do, she wakes up. So I've just learned to listen. And she's like a sage when she just goes on and on. She'll be saying, huh. the Lord says, if you'll get in prayer, and he's going to turn it all around. She says it like that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Have a lifestyle of prayer. Let prayer be a part of the very fabric of your life. Keep an appointment with the Lord each day. Wait, let me ask you this. It's rhetorical, which means you don't have to yell out your answer. But when is the time that you have with God? What, what is that appointment that you have with Him? I said it earlier, you know, God's longing to meet with you, waiting to meet with you in the quiet time. doesn't necessarily have to be quiet. God's waiting to meet with you in that appointment that you never keep and don't have. God, I, wanna, I want that power. I want the anointing of God. I, I want to... I want to hear from him. I want to, 
I want to be used by you. Lord, what is the answer? If you don't spend time with him, how is he supposed to talk with you? You know, my wife and I, we love being by ourselves, dating. We love, I love, she's my, she's my best friend. We're overdue. What do you mean? You're just on fake? Yeah, but we were with everybody else. There's something about getting away with your spouse. There's something about getting away with God. The very picture of your marriage, the one flesh, is a picture of Christ and the church. And if you don't cultivate that with Him, how is God supposed to talk to you if you don't have an appointment to meet with Him? You know, you're, you know your life's busy when you've got to put it on the calendar to date your spouse, but that's the way it is for me. And I'll just tell you right now, in the morning, I get up and I go to prayer. I get up and I go to prayer. I come to morning prayer. If I'm not here, it's because I'm flat out exhausted and my wife told me you can't go. Or sometimes the Lord says you're staying home today. That happens. When's your time? When, when do you spend, and I don't mean like once a week. You gotta like spend time. Get up earlier. I think I believe in morning prayer because it orders your whole day. It sets your whole day. I believe in evening prayer too. I believe in 24-hour prayer. And I think you should have times like that also. Fasting and prayer. Keep an appointment. Everybody say, keep an appointment. All right, so you make a decision, and I'm almost done. We're going to leave this place here in just a moment. But when, when is that? And if you don't have one, then make one. Make an appointment and keep it. Fasting and prayer. We, we fast and prayer. Fast and pray. They always go together. Fasting and prayer. We, we fast and pray at different times of the year. Every year. January through January. First week of January all the way to the third week of January. 21 days every year since I got saved. Every year I fast and pray for 21 days. Every year. Every single year. I'm just telling you it does stuff in your life that nothing else can. Fasting and prayer will break you through to another place. Keep an appointment. Lastly, Prayer positions us to be in the Spirit's prompting, to, to be open to the Holy Spirit's prompting. I've shared this story before, but I was, uh, it was many years ago, it's probably 15 plus, no. You know, it's funny, it was like 10 years ago, when 10, till you get older, 10 is really 20. So... It's probably it's 20 years ago. I'm driving. I, I, it's the end of a long day of visitation. I was visiting hospital visitation, visiting people that needed prayer. My phone rings, and um, there's a guy on the phone. And he's like, how you doing, Pastor Daniel? I'm like, I'm good. How are you? He's like, good. And the Lord says, turn around go to his house right now. I mean, clear as a bell. Well, I already had 10 hours on the road. I went to morning prayer. It's late in the afternoon. It's like 6, 7 o'clock. I've already had a 12-hour day. I'm like, done. I'm like, yeah, how about you go there, Lord? You, I like got to bring the milk home, and there's dinner. I want to go home. And so I ignore him like a fly. You know, just kind of, don't, don't look at me like that. You just did it last week. Just, uh, uh, I keep talking to him. I'll just talk to him. So I keep talking to him on the phone, and... We're talking, and the Lord's like, go there now. And it just won't go away, and it's finally, it's like, go to, I'm like, okay. So I turn my, my car around, and I don't even know where he lives, 
And so I'm going to go to his house. I'm coming back. And I said, hey, so uh, where do you live again? And he tells me over by so-and-so. So I drive over there in that direction. And when I, we talk more chit-chat about stuff. And uh, I'm in that general area. And then uh, I says, well, where exactly is that? And he says, you know, that street that's right past. Well, I was right there. I said, oh, yeah. So I turned on his street. Now I'm driving down his street. We're talking about something else. I said, you know, where exactly is your house? He says, it's the last one on the left. Why? I said, oh, I was just wondering. So I come up to his house while he's saying that. I pull in. I walk up to the front door. And I, I said, dude, I'm at your house. And I knock. Boom, boom, boom. And he just says, oh, my God. And he opens the door. And he's got a 45 in his hand behind his leg like this. And he was going to blow his brains out. And he just starts crying, standing there with the gun. I'm like, oh, God. I said, give me the gun, dude, right now. And he just handed it to me. I put it up on top of the fridge as I walked in, and he backed up. I grabbed him by his head and went on a Holy Ghost tirade, beat the devil off of that guy. Power of God hit him right in his kitchen, fell to the floor, gave his life back to Jesus and told me the different things he was going through, and he had just lost it. And we sat there and wept. Do you know that he is, I get messed up every time I see him. I see him all the time. Irregularly, I see him a few times a year. He's one of our great leaders in our church in Maui. When I see him, and I, and I tell the story, but nobody knows who it is. And I know that, I don't think he's told anybody either. So when I see him, he just goes, what's up, Pastor? I'm like, we hold each other and we cry. We just look at each other like, yeah. He said, I was going to eat that bullet. And God, God supernaturally, like I said earlier, he used a donkey like me. You could use a donkey like you too. But you, if you don't spend time with him, how, you'll make treaties, you'll make covenant, you'll be in agreement, you'll marry the wrong person, you knucklehead. I'm trying to help you right now. You don't just, just because it, you know, hello? Hello? You've got to spend time with God. He knows you're rising up. He knows you're setting down. He knows everything. He knows the beginning and He knows the end. He is the beginning and He is the end. He knows everything you need and when you need it. You've got to walk in communion with Him. You've got to talk to Him. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Because if you don't, you could end up being unequally yoked. That business, listen, a believer, I'm just, this is what I believe. A believer has no right being yoked with an unbeliever in business. You're a tither and then you yoke you. I'm talking about significant partnerships. He said, well, I work for unbelievers. Should I quit? No. And maybe, I don't know. You, you know, let the Lord lead you. But I mean, you have to work. After I've said that, I get these calls and people are like, my boss is a total heathen. I'm going to quit my job. Well, maybe you're there to witness to him. I'm talking about significant partnerships like marriage, don't marry an unbeliever. That's stupid. Don't partner, don't make financial partnerships with people that don't believe in the Lord. And don't, and, and listen, there's unequally yoking with believers. There's people that say they love God, but they don't tithe, they don't live right. Don't you get in partnership with that or you'll have a life of pain. And the Gibeonites, they caused pain. And yet Joshua kept his word to them. So much so. That even when Solomon broke that covenant, 
judgment came on Solomon because of the covenant that Joshua made. That, my word is my bond. I don't even think we understand how deep that is. We'll, we'll, we'll get there later in, in our series. Did you get something from the Lord? Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. Say with me, say, I will not be unequally yoked in Jesus' name. I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to talk with God. Lord, help me to spend time with you. Lord, help me to have proper perceptions. Lord, help me not be distracted. And help me not be a person of pride. Jesus' name.